Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. We are live, ladies and gentlemen, with Travis Rigdon. Rigdon? Is the D silent? Uh, Rigdon. Rigdon. Again, I listened. I was just listening to you and Dave Wheeler on the uh, Slang and the Biscuit podcast, and the way he pronounced it, I was like, maybe it's not exactly because I was saying Rigdon. That's Rigdon. Rigdon. Yeah, it's one of those last names that throws people for a loop. Like ever since I was a kid, even in school, like people always, it always comes out different. And I kind of just embrace the mentality, like whatever comes out first, that works for me. It's just easier than arguing for five minutes about. Oh, I, actually, let me explain this to you. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I was listening to the podcast. It's really good. Um, you and Dave, Dave Wheeler, I, I like it. He's got a very like radio voice, and then you, you know, fill in the gaps with your hockey. You're the number thirty three for the Motor City Rockers. Yes, sir. And, um, very cool. He and how did you like start this podcast? Yeah, so the the podcast was, uh, I'm assuming like your podcast and three quarters of the other podcasts out there was a COVID endeavor of, I have nothing going on. I'm sitting around rotting in my apartment by myself. Interesting. So <clears throat> think about what can I do with my spare time because I, I can't really do my vlog. You know, hockey's been shut down. Um, and then also kind of like along the lines of like, I started understanding that like retirement will come from hockey as much as I'd like to think I'm going to play till I'm 40. Um being you know a big man at six five, the genetics aren't necessarily on my side to play until forty. Uh-huh. So I should probably start sometime soon thinking about what am I going to do for retirement. And I always thought I love talking, I love sharing stories and all this kind of stuff with people. So I started a podcast, and the the original version of the podcast actually you know you hopped on to, to help sponsor and work with a bit uh, with my previous co host, and things were um, th- things grew a little bit, but they, they kind of got really uh, like stalled in their progress. Like, like we never really hit our stride um and then kind of rebooted everything back in june came back in july with dave and funny enough like dave and i have been talking for a while so dave has like 20 years of radio experience in winnipeg he's had the top morning radio show for like 20 years like he had i remember at one point he's having like 125,000 people listening live every morning to his radio show in winnipeg like it's nuts how like, like he is literally a legend in the city of winnipeg yeah, you could tell just by listening to him talk. He has that radio voice, and he's he's been doing it for a while. He's he is definitely experienced in this game, very very experienced. And like for from my perspective, like I remember like my mom driving me to school when I was a kid, listening to Dave Wheeler, and now I do the podcast with Dave Wheeler. So like it's it's crazy like in my mind for it to kind of come around full circle like that. Uh, that's really cool i actually started mine i was kind of just a joe rogan junkie and talk radio junkie like when i would ride to school or wherever i was going with my dad he would be listening to talk radio in the morning not necessarily well there was sports talk you know but in politics and i just was always into whatever they were talking about i kind of liked it and then um when i turned 21 ish i i I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember I went and knocked on the door of like a radio station because I wanted to be like a talk show host or I had no experience. No, I just went and knocked on the door and uh, they didn't answer. And then I gave up. 
that was that was my <laughs> effort for being a radio like personality or whatever when I was young. But I was definitely always kind of into it. And I know back in like 2012, around the time when uh, we th- I thought the world might be ending because the Mayan calendar was going to expire. And I, I, I was like, might as well do the things that you think you want to do, you know, you want to do. And like, I, I started, I did some stand up comedy and, and I started a podcast way back then. And I've been doing it on and off ever since then. So uh, it's, and now like this version, the RPG Robert Patton global podcast has been about four years. I think we're over a hundred episodes now. I, I gotta say, I love the background. The the RPG Global in the background. That's the, like that's gonna be on the Christmas list for Dave and I to pick up in the New Year. That looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty cool. Somebody made it for me. Um, is that your only sheath shirt? Because I was wondering, we might need to get you a few more. Uh, so I just got uh, I got the brand new one that you guys sent uh, about a month ago. But like this one, I've just been wearing the shit out of it for the last like year. Like it's at the know. point like where it's kind of starting to fade just a little bit. But I kind of like that because then it shows that it's not just like a new shirt I got from a company. It's one that I, I wear like religiously. <laughs> um, my my girlfriend she gives me shit too. She's like, you know, you don't have to wear that shirt every time like you see me like when we were hanging out in person because obviously I haven't seen her in two and a half months. And I said, but I like it. I like to represent sheath like the shirt itself. And she's like, just. Just wear something different. And I was like, I like it. So her uh, her Christmas to-do list is to get me some clothes that aren't sheathed. So she, uh, well, uh, yeah. I see it like on everything you do. And I mean, you're constantly promoting, which is how, what you have to do. I think like by far your podcast is bigger than this podcast, even though I've been doing it for longer. And I've had... I kind of gripe about it, but you know, like UFC champion, champion of the world, Brandon Marino, James Kraus, this guy who just got banned from the UFC. I'm gonna, um, I had him on the podcast last year, and you know, best-selling authors. Now I have you. I have really great guests, and then sometimes it'll be like thirty views, and I only check YouTube. So we're also on, you know, Spotify and, and iTunes, but I never look at those numbers, so I don't know. I think we might be in the thousands, probably not. Overall, definitely, I actually have had over a hundred thousand downloads. Oh, overall, so that was pretty cool. But that's I, over hundreds of episodes. I, I've kind of found that, um, like, like I think we talked about this maybe a couple months ago. But like the the TikTok clips and the real clips, like those are like explosively grown the podcast. When like right now, it feels like every clip that you know Dave and I post, I, like Dave doesn't do social media, so I do all the posting and stuff. But uh, everything seems to hit like a hundred thousand, a quarter million, a half a million. Like we just had, you know, two clips hit like a million views the other day, and only got like five thousand followers on Instagram page. So it's <laughs> it's growing like crazy. The TikTok clips are wild too. Yeah, it doesn't hurt when Dave's promoting the podcast and his morning show every every morning, Monday to Friday, and then obviously the like because like my vlog is very hot right now, and I tell people to come come listen. So like we've we've grown it a lot. I think we're averaging not not to you know have a pissing contest, but I think <laughs> I think we're sitting right now between. Uh, five to eight thousand every single episode collectively. So like nice. it's, it's a lot, especially coming from uh, back in June when you know I reached out to you to say, "Hey, a reboot in the podcast." Does Sheath want to come back on board? I think hovering around a thousand, thousand and change. It was a very slow, slow time too. So it's it's that's nutty a, right now. That's a huge jump. Very. But that's that's rec- that's commendable. Ten thousand is you know, or you know, you're pushing ten thousand. That's uh, not something to whatever like it's that's very 
significant, I think. Yeah. So, and you, and it seems like you'd like doing it. Yeah, I didn't know. You, so you have a vlog on your, yep. your uh, YouTube channel, right? Yeah. So I got the vlog where I do my life in the Fed. So like life in the FPHL series, uh, document in the minors of pro hockey, like on the podcast today, where I you know I got uh, a trade offer for my rights in exchange for, you know, a steak dinner and a hotel stay for our team, which that, that happens a lot. There's, there's actually like, people think that, you know, stuff like this doesn't happen. It's just like made up. Like there's a guy who was traded for a team bus not too long ago. Like this stuff happens, right? Oh. They needed a team bus. They needed a starting left winger. So they made a deal and everything worked out. So like stuff like this happens all the time, like in the minors of pro hockey. So that's the the vlog channel. And then obviously the podcast, which has become a byproduct of the vlog. Um, and that's basically it. That's all I do. And, and how, how many, I, I heard you talking about how tough it is to, uh, just be a pro hockey player and the traveling you get you get on the bus at like midnight and then you have to like sleep on the bus yeah so so we have um a bigger budget than i'd say half the teams in the league but we're still on the like top of the league for budgets so like the the whole concept of pro hockey is like we're just trying to stay afloat like trying to stay above water like we have a a salary cap of like four thousand dollars a week to pay everybody collectively Whoa. now that's what we're supposed to pay but I'd be lying if I said there wasn't guys being paid extra under the table. How much that is, I don't know. I have a hunch, but so like, like we're very tight on cash, right? Yeah. Um, and so we leave like our bus trips when we go on the road because we usually play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll leave Thursday at midnight, uh, 10 hour, 11 hour, 12 hour, maybe like an eight hour bus ride, depending on where we're going. And then when we get there, we, we skate right away. We get morning skate because coach doesn't want us to have bus legs and go to the hotel yeah. and be, be sluggish. But, um, like I, I guess I'll, I'll tell this story. This is actually Please. here's a, a Robert Patton Global exclusive. This hasn't been on Sling the Biscuit or on the on the vlog yet. Mostly because my team watches my stuff. I can't say certain things. But our uh, our first bus trip of the year, uh, we're going to Watertown, New York, from Detroit, Michigan. About a ten ish hour bus ride. And I get in the bus at midnight. It's freezing. But in my mind, I'm thinking like they just picked the bus up from the depot. It's probably cold. They got to turn the heat on. It takes a while to kick in. It's an older bus. It'll, everything will be fine. Well. Uh, god damn it robert there is no heat on this bus oh my god and because so vets sit at the back of the bus rookies sit at the front and depending on where you you stack up is where you sit so i'm sitting not at the front maybe a little bit more towards the middle but i didn't realize this when i picked my seat because like, we're not moving there's a massive hole in the roof of the bus <laughs> as we're going so we got no heat i got this massive hole it's freezing outside going you know, 80 miles an hour, maybe I guess 60 miles an hour down the highway, and I'm freezing. I'm oh absolutely freezing. And so they tell us for road trips, just bring your track suits, everything will be fine. And, and you know, but I didn't. I brought, you know, a couple sweaters, a couple sweatpants, and thank God I did. So I bundled up. I have no blankets, no real pillows or anything, and I'm freezing. And I got like frostbite on my toes. I have like like black, like my two big toes, like black. It's so cold. You can't get any heat. And so, got frostbite on my feet. My feet are, are so cold, they're warm, if you know what I'm talking about, like hypothermia. And we get there around 10, morning skate for 10.45. We, we skate for, for an hour and a bit. Back to the hotel, we get our, you know, our team meal at the Olive Garden, all-you-can-eat pasta, breadsticks, and soup, and a little bit of chicken farm. That's like the staple for, for our pregame meals. And um, go back to the hotel, have a nap, go back for the game. I'm scratched game one, so like I'm not dressing for game one of the, the series. Game two, I come back into the lineup, and then uh, our starting goalie gets into a fight, gets kicked out. I come in cold for my first appearance of the season, and we ended up winning 7-6 uh, uh, 
Hell yeah. Uh, to, uh, to get the the first well first one of my uh, North American pro career. I played in Europe the last couple of years, but first one in North America. Congratulations! Yeah, I was I was looking at your stats, and you have uh, like a high percentage of uh, like not letting the puck go through the into the net. What is that called? Save percentage. Save percentage, right? And it was like it was like eighty ninety percent. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> it sounds uh, good. They're they're a little weaker. The the stats I like them to be a little bit better. There you usually want to aim for like a nine hundred at least, like a nine ten. So I'm sitting eight eighty or whatever, and that's not that's not to my standards. That's not acceptable. But you got three trade offers recently. It sounds yeah. Like. So, so the three trade offers. Yeah, it was one offer. Team declined. They made another offer. They declined, and then the third one they declined. And and there's some things that I can't I can't talk about because like contractually they don't want us posting stuff online about certain of course. things. But the, the hotel and the steak dinner, I was like, oh, that's not going to incriminate anybody. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we sponsor this uh, local soccer team, the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. We bought, like, they just got this brand new stadium. It's probably one of the nicest stadiums in the the league. It's, it's not quite the MLS, Major League Soccer. Or I, I don't even know if that's what it's called, but it's like the step below. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen... What's that show? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is is like an HBO series about a minor league soccer team, and out of the UK. It's actually pretty funny, and they're they've made the first two seasons. But in in soccer, at least in the UK, if one of the, if the minor league team wins the championship, it gets like pulled up to the major leagues, and then the lowest. Uh, ranking team in the major leagues like they swap places so you can actually go from like a minor league organization to a major league organization anyways this is a minor league and that can't happen here but it is a really cool stadium and and they made it to the playoffs this year they made it to the the championship and then they lost against san antonio but um like are are there levels to the hockey league absolutely Yeah, I, I saw the clip that you posted a while ago, like um, I, I, with the new sheath jerseys at the the stadium. Looks like a very beautiful facility. Yeah, um, and yeah. also very familiar with the whole like relegation advancement play over in Europe because that's all they play for. There's no, as you know, there's no trophies. It's just you go up, you make more money. You go down, you go broke. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's really um, cool. I think they should North do America, that here. That, well, that doesn't exist in North America. Like we actually, I think maybe like three or four episodes ago, we talked about that in the podcast about like could we do something similar. And the way that the system is set up, it doesn't really allow it. So, like in North America, you'd have like the NHL, the AHL, the East Coast, the SP, and then where we are at in the Fed. And because there's so much affiliation, so like you know, like uh, we had two guys on our team last week get called up to the SP, and they're affiliated. So you couldn't really have advancement because then you'd have us, if say we advanced, us competing against the team that has affiliation with us, and then it would just kind of like be messy, right? So um, doesn't really allow for that as opposed to in Europe. It just there's so much up and down every year. I, well, yeah, I think that would make it much more exciting to follow these minor league teams because in the hopes that they might make it to the MLS, and then worse as a, as a sponsor, you know, if if they jumped up to the MLS and we have the deal where we're, uh, you know, sp- uh, we bought a corner a corner of the stadium essentially through next year, and it's really cool to see, uh, and I just would like them to go like to advance 
that, but that, that's not possible. So it, it would be cool. It, it would be a scary kind of concept though as an advertiser because you have to be careful who you sponsor because if they're good, you get more return on your money because they go up. But if they're they're terrible, it's like, well, we're going to go down and I'm, you know what I mean? You're losing money. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the money that they these teams request, I mean, for a minor league, um, you know, team that they, they, they gave me this jersey in the background here trying to sell me to buy that spot on the jersey for 150 grand and i and i was like we bought a corner of the stadium we're already not getting a return on that investment for like a fraction of that cost and you, you want me to spend three four times what i'm already spending to get you know so that we can be on the back of a jersey i would want to be on the front of a jersey you know, get like cool goal scoring reels. We and I, you know, I was talking to you through text this week about getting reels, and you were mentioning earlier how much more play they get, and that's what you know we would want is just like a cool reel of a guy scoring a goal, throwing his hands in the air, you know, and then our our logo in the background, you know, getting all the glory, but. We're on ESPN Plus, I guess, and the the scoreboard is always covering our our banner, which is annoying. So we, you know, we, they they promote. They'll be like, "You're going to get all these views because we're on ESPN Plus, and it's going to get you know push your brand out there more." And then it's always covered up, so it's not really get. We're not getting as much value as as they tell you you're going to get. Yeah, you didn't know the scoreboard was going to be there when you signed up for that ad placement. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm talking about you know the the rolling one on on TV, just like the little digital scoreboard. Yeah, for sure. I, I was thinking you, sh- you shouldn't have mentioned that because I think I might be uh, might have to up the prices on the the sheet logos on my gear. I'm giving you front and back, not just mm. back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I will say though the amount of comments that, that I've gotten from people that just say like how clean the sheath logos look on my gear covering everything like it, it looks flawless it looks fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate you doing that. You go above and beyond. You're actually one of like one of our better promoters, and I, I rank them based on like effort and and then results. But seeing how much you put us out there. It's like, okay, this guy's going full scale, like doing everything he can to promote us. Because you have a smaller audience than a lot of the people we work with, um, just based on the nature of, you know, the sport you're in. And we have YouTubers that have, you know, millions of followers. And um, so you pay for numbers, but you also pay for effort. And then whether or not we can then take what you're doing and put it on our page, which is why I was talking to you about the reel, like having some kind of cool hockey related reel would be fun. But then I, and then I, but then I looked at your page and you fucking put us everywhere. You're wearing that shirt everywhere. So you see this, look at how faded this is. This has been the washing machine so many times. It's crazy. We actually, that's a good shirt. It's a bamboo shirt. I don't want to talk too much about the product, but we stopped working with that company because they sent us some prototypes where the logo was was peeling off. And then, uh, but it turns out they're not peeling off. Look, you've washed it hundreds of times. So last night I designed a new shirt for, 
because you've inspired me to have like, everybody should be wearing our shirts all the time. Then I actually designed that shirt to have the, have it a little higher so that people could be wearing it in podcasts and, and see the logo and you, you're doing exactly what I wanted to be done. So I appreciate yeah, I that. mean, it, it's kind of difficult because like the, the concept of promoting like sheath underwear would be, if I'm doing a podcast, I can't just rip off my pants mid podcast. And also like, if I'm talking to you on a podcast, I can't just like get up and, you know, show you below the belt. So like the, the, the higher up logo worked perfectly when you sent this to me. And also like the shirt's been in washing machines in three different countries, two different continents, multiple apartments, multiple different <laughs> laundry sizes, detergents, everything. And it's still kicking. So it's, it's great. <laughs> it is a quality shirt. So actually we're going to go back to that company because I pulled our, you know, business from them, and uh, and I'm, I'm like, actually, these shirts are pretty good. So we're gonna go back to that. You know back what? I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but <clears throat> so I I heard about Sheath for the first time. This probably would have been, I want to say October, maybe even September of 20. Um, it was when you guys were working with Jesse James West. This is like when he was like very, very, very small, small, small. Like I think maybe <clears throat> maybe a. 80,000 followers or subscribers, not even. Now, obviously, he's at 3 million and he's larger than life. But uh, it was at that time. And I remember reaching out, kind of getting in touch. And I can't remember the lady's name, but she sent me up the demo package. We kind of you know, went back and forth. And just like from, from then to now, like it, it's difficult to find companies that have a good product. And I, I know it's kind of going to work into a little bit of an ad pitch, but <clears throat> a company like with a good product, hard to find people that actually care. I mean, like, the, the amount of, of major companies out there that they're just looking for a return on sales. That's all they're looking for. They're not actually looking to like build brand or, or like build relationships. Yeah. And like at the same time, like you mentioned that, you know, you work with significantly larger people than me, which is very true. But at the same time, I'm also like, I, I have a following, but I, yeah. also play, I play pro hockey and that's like my, my thing. So I'm not like a Jesse James West where this is like all I do 24 seven. Like, I have a job to report to and I make videos about my job in a sense. So I figured I can't have the same time commitments or the same um, assets that he would have. So throwing like sheet logos on my gear, that's like, like that's what I spend most of my time is in my gear. Yeah. As much as I can to, you know, get the, get the brand out there. And also like the, like the live ad reads of us just, you know, me and Dave coming up with different terminology for sheath and what to put in your sheath. And it's been entertaining. We, we finally came clean this week and finally said, you know, you're dicking your balls in the, in the couch. <laughs> but it's been months in the making for that. Yeah. You kind of have to be clever in your way of wording, like protect the troops or, you know, you're, I call it an inverted kangaroo pouch for your Joey. And there's all these different metaphors for you, Joey. Yeah. We got a new one for next week, though. And I heard he was getting his wife some uh, a sheath bralette for Christmas, which was really cool. I, I yeah. was just listening. It's a great podcast. You guys are really entertaining. You it, know what? As awesome as Dave is, his wife is also really awesome. Like, she's fantastic. And she actually, this is the true story. That, you know, So Dave and I have a lot in common, funny enough is that we both shoot significantly above our league. Uh, yeah. And Dave being, like, he's married to a Playboy Bunny model, a former Playboy model. Uh, wow. Candace is fantastic. And, and Dave was saying that we got to get Candace modeling the the underwear or the, well, I guess the, 
the booty shorts and the bralettes, and that'll, that'll do good for business for the female audience. Because we do have a female female audience, which is kind of weird. I, I didn't think we had any like females listening to our hockey podcast, but yeah, we got about ten percent. Wow. Yeah, which is it's crazy. I'm like, we're talking to women here, not just you know dudes sitting in their basement listening to a podcast. Um, and obviously, like I, I got a great woman, and she loves she loves the uh, the package you guys got sent out to her, and she gave me a glowing review. <laughs> good. We're we're actually redesigning it. My wife, she's like doesn't like the thickness of the waistband and so for three years she's been trying to create a new um like a more comfort luxury line for the women and it's it's almost ready actually after like three years of prototypes back and forth um and you know i just i want i just want to see her in the underwear so or um i'm excited for, for that and you know um last night one of my favorite soccer this is i don't know we're just going wherever the conversation goes but yeah um my favorite sock brand went out of business and i was doing some research on them last night they he went they went bankrupt owing the bank 2.5 million dollars and just went out of business it's called kane 11 kanye not kanye kane 11 and they're fitted socks you know, for your shoe size, I have small feet and I hate having socks where the toes are longer than my feet, you know, so, and you end up with, you know, uncomfortable socks in your shoes. So like I've fitted socks, but the company went out of business and I was, I want to like pick up where they left off. Cause they have all these customers. I was going to their Facebook page and people are like, Oh, you were the best. And they had, these were the best socks and I love them, so I want to kind of just like take their idea, which is fitted socks, which most brands they're you know they're like kind of one size fits all, or maybe they'll have two different sizes, and then you have to you know take that if if it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But that and like undershirts, and then with this new women's line, constantly you know trying to think of ways to innovate, I guess. Yeah, sheath underwear and sheath socks. What a combination that would be for the holiday season 23. Wouldn't it? It would yeah, go. Um, I, I was also scrolling through Facebook. I mean, I'm back on Facebook a little bit, and I, and I got one of those memories from 12 years ago, and it said, I just sold three pairs. It's about to be so on. <laughs> and it was like probably like the first three pairs that we ever sold. And... Uh, you know that was it was 2010 December of 2010, and you know here we are 12 years later, and it took three more years to end up doing this relaunch where we did a Kickstarter, and that's when in 2013 that's really when it kind of took off. But I was really tickled by seeing that comment, and I was like, how far we've come, you know? But how so? How did? Like, when did you decide you were going to go like full on, full on in hockey, you know, like give it everything? Yeah, I, I've kind of always like, like I, I've always loved hockey. Right? Like I started skating, like my dad taught me how to skate when I was four years old. And that's actually an interesting story. I still remember there's um, where, where I grew up, there's this rink maybe like eight minutes away from the rink. It's this old, like you smell the propane. It is, you know, older. It's probably like, like a World War II, like a, like that time frame arena. It's so old. Whoa. And I, and I remember, yeah, like really old. And like when you walk into a rink, if you can smell the propane, the rink is around from that time. 
because um, it's, it's like embedded in the walls and like, it has a very unique smell to it. What's the propane for? Then? So the Zamboni runs on two propane tanks. So you have two propane tanks and as one depletes and it runs out, you switch to the other one and then that one kind of, they go back and forth. Now, most arenas have electric Zambonis and they're very like precise. Like they cut the ice at the right length. They, it's, it's a very like scientifically backed method. But a lot of the old rinks are just, you know, some old dude in his 80s working the crank to like adjust the blade for like how much is going to cut off the ice or or not, and then the um, uh, the propane cylinders as well, and then it just like dumps water on. It's it's uh, it's very outdated by today's standards, but like this is the the, the rink setup where I'm pitching for you here. So <laughs> uh, I'm four years old. My dad takes me out there, and, and when you're four years old, you can't skate. Usually, like hold onto a chair. So I got my skates on. I'm holding this chair. And I'm pushing it around, and my dad's trying to teach me how to skate. And I'm crying, I'm screaming, I, I don't like it, it's not fun. I tell my dad, I remember very distinctly, this is one of my earliest memories, was telling my dad, I, I don't want to do this anymore, this isn't very fun. And then after that, I, just, I started skating. Oh, and, weird. And here we are, 22 years later, and I still haven't stopped. So my dad bugs me all the time, he's like, so much for you know for quitting and never doing that again. Us, and I said, yeah, I guess you know, it turned out okay. Um, and yeah, yeah so I, then, I couldn't. I've tried skating when, but I was a little later, I guess, like later in life. I mean, I was probably like eight or nine, and I put on those ice skates, and I just would keep slipping and falling like on my ass, and that it hurt so much, and that I just was very discouraged. It sounds like you kind of took the pressure off, I don't know, yourself when you're like, I don't like this, and and then however, whatever his response was, and then all of a sudden you just start skating. Yeah, well, I, I was a player for about five years, and then when I was nine, turning ten, uh, I became a goalie and been a goalie ever since. Um, I, I played like high level AAA growing up, um, bounced around junior for a bit. I played junior like in Ontario and Canada, and then back home in Manitoba. Um, ended up doing one year of college out in like BC, like on the west coast of Canada, like college hockey, and then uh, COVID happened, and s- some other things in my career happened as well, and then went over to Europe for. You know, two years playing over in Sweden, and now here we are back in the, what we call the Fed Zeno in uh, Detroit. I, I played basketball when I was growing up, and I, I wanted to be in the NBA. And but I, I knew because I'm like five eight and just very average on all levels of speed and athletic ability. But I was, I just in my mind, I was like, if I could just play in Europe, you know, if I could play in Europe. As long as I could play, I'd be happy, you know, regardless of the money situation. I was a kid, so I didn't really understand money that well at the time, but I just knew I wanted to play basketball. So it sounds like you just really love to play also. Yeah, I mean, like, like we're not getting rich off, off this anytime soon by, by any means, right? By, by what we're paying, what we're, what we're compensated for. So I think, you know, guys at this level, whether we're talking hockey, soccer, baseball, basketball, I'm sure all minor leagues are very similar. Like they, uh, guys do it for the love of the game. I heard a story. This is, this is actually kind of a weird one. Um, around the time the podcast started, this is like March, April of 21, uh, I took the train from Vancouver back home to Winnipeg. And uh, in the whole train of all the people to sit beside, I sit beside this guy who's playing professional minor league baseball. He's a pro pitcher. And he played in Winnipeg for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. His name was Ryan Johnson. Great guy. You know, we, we had two and a half days sitting beside each other. <clears throat> and I don't think for you know two and a half days the conversation ever laid off outside of bedtime. But so we're we're chatting just about like how much he's making, the grind, all this kind of stuff. And they have guys that are living underground at the baseball park. 
<sighs> like underneath the stadium. So like they literally live at the field that they're doing this for the love of the game. They're not. And I mean, this dude is in economy on a train that cost at the time of COVID. Obviously prices went down because nobody was taking it, mm-hmm. but dude spending $170 to go Vancouver to Winnipeg because flying is too expensive. Like, like this is the definition of like you're playing because you really love doing it, not because you're getting rich anytime soon. Yeah, that is something I really, I, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily understand other than all of at the beginning of sheath, you know, that we weren't, I wasn't making any money and everything I did make, I would put back into the company. And so it was just like full investment into sheath while kind of depriving myself of any anything nice. I, and I still don't really buy a lot of things for myself. It's still like everything goes back into the company. I bought some crypto last year. That didn't go very well. <laughs> so um, I, I was reading this other... I was like really on my phone last night. I was watching some of the fights and I was kind of just scrolling through Instagram and I went to this page called Wealth and it was like seven top reasons why people get rich in their, uh, you know, uh, over time. And one of the tips that really stood out to me, and I've heard it before, is it's always like, pay yourself first. And I'm of the mind where I like, I pay myself last. I always pay myself last. So, and I, and I, so I would commented like, this doesn't seem like a principle of success to me to pay yourself first, unless you're going to take that money and then invest it in the market or something. I don't, do you have any any tips for generating wealth? Generating wealth, I think that um, I think I think that living within your means is essential. Like for like for example just like in minor pro hockey, like we know how much we're going to make. Like I make 125 bucks every single week, right? Like I get, you know, per diem when we're on the road and I try my, my best to pocket that money. Cause if I can pocket that 20 bucks they gave me for the weekend and not spend it on food, that's 20 bucks more in my pocket. And I, and I know it sounds like very chintzy and very like small stuff, but like over the course of the season, it adds up. And one thing that hockey's taught me is especially in the last two years is that like, you never know when things are going to end. Right. There could be some flu that comes along and shuts everything down. It could be, you know, the team goes bankrupt and they fold and you have nowhere to play and I got to find somewhere else. The league could go under. Like there's so many things that could happen. So I think that like living within your means and living humbly, I think goes a long way for just, I I think you appreciate the small stuff when the big stuff comes. If you live under those circumstances, like for example, uh, like I don't own a vehicle like at all. So like when I'm home, I literally bike everywhere. Um, I, I take public transportation with my hockey equipment. Like when I'm in Vancouver and, you know, I start skating again in the summer, I, you know, with my bag over my shoulder, my pads and my sticks with my sheath underwear shirt, by the way, I got to mention, uh, I'm taking public transit, like taking a bus to the rink, you know, and when the season comes and I live with guys who drive me to the rink or I have a team bus that, you know, gives me frostbite and drops me off at the rink. I appreciate that because I, I, I lived, I guess, less than that previously. <laughs> We have a warehouse. I'll show you. I don't know if you've seen it, but oh, that's the warehouse. That's the, the sheath headquarters. Yeah, basically, and but it's in a shopping center, and we have a church right next to us, and they're singing some church music. Okay, which is nice. Do you? Oh, uh, Dave just texted me. Dave says hi. By the way. Oh, hi, Dave. Thank you. I appreciate both of you promoting sheath. It's really. You know, I can't thank you enough. 
because you know without guys like you to help legitimize the brand it would just be me saying it's good underwear but having you know i, I like to say badass motherfuckers <laughs> that also like promote sheath for us it just it makes other people stop and look so it's badass motherfuckers that also wear some badass underwear and it feels yeah. great in your dick and balls <laughs> That'll be a clip. I'll make that a clip. <laughs> I messed up also. the camera. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about like living within your means and you know, not having a car. That's pretty interesting. So you you just like Uber around as needed? Not even. Uh, to be honest with you, um, my, my first experience in Sweden uh, th this actually kind of like was like a life changing moment. So when I when I got to to Germany on the flight over from North America, uh, the head coach of the team was supposed to come like pick me and my, my roommate at the time up, um, uh, like from the airport. And he texted me uh, when I got to Germany that, Hey, uh, like there's no ride for you. You're going to find your own way. And I'm, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to a continent and a country I've never been. I don't speak the language. I've also been up for like 24 hours transiting. I'm exhausted. I have no, I'm not gonna have any phone service. This is going to be an endeavor. <laughs> and, and thank God, uh, I, I put a burner out on Instagram. Was like, "Hey, can you know anybody want to help?" And you know, some guy came to pick me up from the airport. Funny enough, and then drive me to where I needed to be, like so a fan or something. Literally, literally. Wow, that's really cool. Still friends with them to this this day. We call him uh, Big Save Dave because he you know, he saves the day. That was kind of a good <laughs> joke on that one. But um, so my roommate, he came in at a different time, and he wasn't there to get picked up. So he had to like take his you know his. 13 suitcases because he doesn't travel lightly by any means his hockey bag and his sticks from the Stockholm Orlando airport to the transit station all the way down about an hour and a bit to the Flemingsburg uh, train depot walk across the depot to the uh, bus uh, station and then bus to where we lived and then walk up the hill to the house and this, now this took him about eight hours because you know he made a couple mistakes, put the wrong address in, and I, I remember I'm sitting at the house, you know, having a coffee after a long day, and he walk he's walking up the hill to the front of the the steps, and I can see him, and I and I just like oh my god, Swedes, I I haven't seen him since we played college hockey together, and he walks in the door, and I said to him, I says, um, good good to see you, like uh, what took you so long? Like a smart ass calling the news, gonna snap on me, and he says, you will not fucking believe what I've been through today. And I say, I actually do. And I'm glad I didn't have to do it with you. So like, so that endeavor kind of opened my mind up to like, I have a feeling we're gonna be doing a lot of like public transportation, like busing to hockey, taking the train to hockey, all this kind of stuff. And it got to a point where like, we were having road games like two hours away where, cause I guess nobody wanted to you know, give me and Sweeney's a ride where they're like, you guys can just hop on the, the train and take the train down to the game and we'll pick you up at the depot. So, that kind of opened my mind up to like I may have to like take public transportation a lot more than I like to, and then when I came back to to North America, I was just more open minded to like I'll just take my gear, I'll hop on the bus, I'll go where I need to go, I'll hop on the train, I go where I need to go, and as long as I get there, it doesn't really matter. I just have to you know plan out a little bit more different. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah. That is a little bit more time consuming, but that's I mean it's there for a reason, and people do use it, and you wonder like who's using it, and it's minor league 
well, hockey players or whatever. I think it makes you appreciate too, like 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 the the journey getting there. It makes you appreciate when you get there more. And also, like it's not like I'm in a car driving. I'm focused. I'm I'm on the road. I'm like sitting on the bus. I'm sitting on the train, and I'm reflecting on like the journey that I I'm on or that I'm I'm the destination I'm going to. That's what I would want to do. Like if I was in New York or something, and I would take public transportation. You could be, you could be meditating. Maybe, maybe not on the train, but maybe um, you could have your laptop. You could be working because when you're driving, obviously you have to have your full attention on the road for the most part. If you're not texting, wink, 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 wink. Exactly. Yeah, I have I have a Tesla, and I'm jealous. That, that's one of the luxuries that we do have. My wife. Well, I was going to get one, and then she wanted one. So we were both going to get one, and then she ended up getting one, and I didn't get one. So, Actually, so that, that's kind of like my dream car is like to get a Tesla. I think it'd be really cool. Um, but I, I do have a bike, like I mentioned, and I bike everywhere, like when I'm home in Canada. And I, I guess through like vlogging my endeavors in Europe to like like where I share that I don't have a, a vehicle. I just I bike everywhere, or I get a ride to hockey or whatever. I had this guy reach out on Instagram this summer and said, "Hey." I also live in Winnipeg. If I welded you and made you like a trailer for your bike, for your gear, would you use it? And I was like, of course I will. Then I don't have to hassle somebody for a ride. I can skate more. It's great. I'll be, you know, carrying this massive trailer on the back of my bike when I go across the intersections, but like, I'll do it. And he, we talked about specifics. I sent him pictures of my axle, everything. He had everything he needed. And then I never heard back. So <sighs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that I hear back sometime maybe this summer and get that, that trailer. It's okay. Maybe he got hit by a train or something. <laughs> well, he finishes the bike trailer. I hopefully he gets it taken care of for you. So how how often are you going overseas to play and why? Um, so the overseas oh, started. Overseas. At, Winnipeg is in Canada. That's not yeah. What if, yeah, people forget about Canada sometimes <laughs> for for good reason. Um, so I the first reason that I went to Sweden my first year was because obviously COVID shut everything down like March and the agent I had at the time we got an offer very beginning of April in Sweden and he and this agent says to me I don't think we should sign this I think we can get better offers I think if we're patient we'll get a really good offer COVID is going to be gone in like a month or two and I was like I don't know man I like he called me a, you know a nut but I was like I don't think this shit's going anywhere I think knowing what I know opportunities are very hard to find in life and especially in the hockey market. We should just sign it, get a deal done. It's squared away. And worst case, we call the guy up in August and say, I ain't coming. That sounds like a good idea to me. And so that's exactly what we did. And so we signed the deal, trying to get a deal to finish my college education, nothing, no offers. Like all the, the universities were shut down, let alone playing hockey. Uh, North American pro hockey, same situation. So end of August, we're like, this isn't a bad idea. I have somewhere to play. And they put it ended up putting a ban on North American imports coming over to Europe because so many guys were trying to come over because they couldn't play anywhere. So I went to Europe as a mistake, I guess if you want to call it that, or by accident, because I really didn't want to go. Like I, I was, I had an idea in my head of like what Sweden and Europe was going to be like, and I really didn't want to do it. But damn it, am I glad that I did? Like it was life changing. And I would say now, Sweden is like my favorite place on earth, and. Uh, so I played in Stockholm my first year, Gothenburg-ish my second year. Both were just outside of Stockholm and Gothenburg. Um, and downtown Gothenburg, Sweden has got to be my favorite place on this planet. Period. Like, just I, I love it so much. Why? What was the, I was just what? Tell me about it. So I think that, uh, and this is obviously a lot of opinion based, but I think that in North America, Canada, and the U.S., like we're taught to think that like. 
you know, we're the greatest. There is nothing greater than in the United States or Canada to an extent. Um, and there's a very like, um, like a, almost like a pissing contest in society. Like everybody's trying to one up each other. Everybody's very social. Uh, and, and I think that it's, it breeds like a very uh, negative environment for a lot of people that like this, um, this like rat race, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. Yeah, definitely. As, as opposed to in Scandinavia, where they, they had uh, like jokes, and, like billboards making fun of COVID at the beginning of the pandemic because Sweden never shut down. It really went oh, wide that's open. that's right. Yeah. And so they've had a thing in Sweden where uh, they've been social distancing for you know tens of thousands of years because Swedes keep to themselves. So they have, you know, they have like billboards that are saying stay six feet away and Swedes would make fun of it and be like, well, that's getting closer. We've been staying seven feet away for 10,000 years. Now you want us to be six feet away. So like <clears throat> they're very <clears throat> hard done by, by all this kind of stuff. So they keep to themselves. They don't really socialize with each other or talk to each other. Everybody minds their own business, but I kind of like, and it makes you appreciate that interaction you have with somebody that much more because it's not, Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm Okay like these mindless conversations like every time you speak to somebody there's a purpose and you know you have a good conversation which i really like yeah and because i think everybody's not having that pissing contest with one another and everybody's minding their own business they have a, they have a word for for it in sweden i can't remember what it is it's basically any success you have you know if you're rich if, if your business is taken off whatever like you keep it to yourself nobody cares and they have a, uh, another term in, in sweden called fika which is basically uh, you go for coffee with somebody or you go for like a pastry with somebody and you, that is your opportunity to speak to somebody because you mind your own business the rest of the day. You get a cup of joe, you get a hot tea, you get a, a, a kenna boule, which is like a Swedish cinnamon bun. It's my favorite pastry on earth. Uh, the vanilla boule also is a fantastic. And you sit down, you have a conversation and that's it. And just, it, it's a, a lot slower paced world. It's not so like helter skelter and just, uh, I just, everything about it. I just, I, I like the vibe and it's more, uh, my my fit and oh, nice to Winnipeg and then going back to Sweden again kind of sunk in for me that okay I, I think I'm a Swede I want to be a Swede but it's so far away and it's hard to get offers there every single year for hockey so so how did you transition back then to like did some did the Detroit or Motor Motor City Rockers see you playing you know over there and like try to convince you to come back or did your contract in what happened. Yeah, so in minor pro, well, in, in pro in general, everything outside of the NHL, everything is like a year-to-year contract. Okay. So I'm signed this year. Next year, I'm not. We have to get something in the works. And uh, a lot of it comes down to, like, your agent. So, like, the agent that I had at the time uh, in uh, when I first signed in Sweden, I no longer have that agent. I have a new agent. And my new agent um, got me uh, my second team in Sweden. Things have been going very well ever since then. Um, in, in pro hockey, there's certain, like, uh, like import bans that, that come into place every now and then or like rules and stuff. So for example, um, like this year they changed everything in Sweden where uh, like teams had to apply for all the, the visa work, all, all the import cards as opposed to like you doing it more financial cost up front. And they said that it was a attempt to clean up Swedish hockey, but it's really trying to get the imports out and bring in more Swedish people, which has from their perspective makes sense from my perspective i'm upset by it so right uh it was a lot harder to find like a good fit for an offer in sweden because it would be significantly cheaper for them to bring in a european than to bring in me and so basically we kind of knew when the season ended that like if there wasn't a deal in place when i left i was probably gonna have to go back to north america and then uh, the motor city rockers are a brand new team for this year they're a new expansion team okay so 
I got signed end of June. The expansion draft was beginning of June, and that was based to that. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen next year. I know there's two new expansion teams coming into the league next year, one in Louisiana, one in Virginia. Um, I, I do love Scandinavia. I love Europe. I love uh, Sweden. I also love Norway. I went to Norway for a tryout right before Christmas. That team got shut down for COVID as well. So uh, Scandinavia as a whole, I love it all. But I, I told my agent, I said, if you don't get me back to uh, to a, a place that I enjoy next year, you're fired. So, <laughs> yeah, they, I, I work with a lot of agents and for like podcasters and and mostly, I guess that's in fighters. A lot of fighters, I I don't know. I guess they, you know, they take the they get the opportunities they can for their clients. But if it's not available, I guess you know. You can only work with what you have. I've I've been to Germany. I had an overnight in Germany on on my way to Iraq for the first time. Probably one of the best nights of my life, actually, because we weren't supposed to stay there, and uh, we had a layover, so we had to go to a hotel. Like my whole unit, who thought we were going to war for the first time, to die potentially. So. They had a bar at the hotel, and I had this huge beer. It was like this big, and I, rem- I remember <clears throat> it was you know it felt like potentially the last night of my life, and it was very memorable. Hanging with my unit and drinking before going to war was pretty pretty badass. But aside from that, I've been I went to Iceland, which was pretty cool. Have you been to Iceland? I have not. Reykjavik, it's it's. It was nice. It was a little, everything is kind of, you know, Americanized, at least in Iceland. I, um, the only other place I went to was Kuwait and Iraq. And, you know, those were less civilized, I guess, from because we were just in like tent cities in the desert. But um, thank you for your service, by the way. I, I know, I know, I knew previously before working with you, you were you know, in the U.S. Army, and that's how she's kind of came to be. But you know, Dave says it all the time. I haven't had a chance, but thank you for your your service. You're too kind. I I was a lot of people join the military because they don't have any other options, and, <laughs> and they uh, need money. <laughs> yeah, and they were offering bonuses at the time. I mean, I got a, I had all this college debt, plus personal debt, and I was in like a, you know, a marriage that wasn't going terribly well, and um they were offering these signing bonuses and it was just, I don't know. It was kind of like the perfect storm for, and plus I, you know, I'm pretty patriotic, but also I see the flaws, especially having been in the army and seeing like all the waste that goes on and thinking I was going over there to liberate the Iraqis when now I'm more of the opinion that we were going there for some other agenda, like oil reserves and, um, you know, the military industrial complex and the war machine and it's all like for profit and stuff. And I get it. We're all human and everybody's got to make their money. And if you're in that business, then you're promoting wars probably. Um, but I'm way more skeptical now. I was so naive when I was 25 and you're only like 26 or how old are you? Yep. 26. I'm a 96. Yeah, I, I graduated in 96, and then I joined the Army at 26. So I was kind of late for that because a lot of, you know, most of them were like 18, 19. But 
I had hit a dead end and I'm really glad I joined. I, 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 I loved it. I loved the army, the challenging. It helped me turn into, you know, like a man. I was doing just a lot of, well, I had been arrested multiple times as a, as a young adult and I was, and I actually had to get a waiver to get in the army because of my criminal record, but they were taking anyone. So it was also a really good time for me because I had some like felony type charges and yeah. uh, that, you know, they wouldn't have let me in otherwise. I actually, I had tried to get go in before and, and they rejected me, but because it, we're in the middle of a war and it's hard, tougher to get people to, to join, they let me in. And then sheath came to be, so everything kind of worked out quite nicely. Yeah, I think that I think it wouldn't be, it wouldn't exist if if I hadn't joined, and so and plus it was just yeah, it was just fun, you know. I imagine maybe playing a sport is similar, you know. You get you're getting to like compete against your peers and test yourself and push yourself further than probably you ever thought you or you could by yourself, anyways. How are the practices, do they like really get crazy on you guys or is it like left up to you to be a self-starter and push yourself? Um, kind of a little bit of both. Like this is like the first year I played for a team where practices were over an hour. Like usually everywhere I played like college, uh, like pro in Europe, they're all like, they're like an hour. I'd say like an hour in and out. Whoa. Done. But like this year we're doing like an hour and a half. Some A couple of times we've gone two hours and like that's, that's a lot of ice time. Really? So, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, they're very intense. They're very fast-paced. Guys are competing. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, big, tall dude who's kind of broken down physically. So it, it's not a, it's not my favorite uh, setup, shall we say? Um, but also at the same time, like I'm playing professional hockey for a living. Like it doesn't, like, like it's better than working a day job. So yeah, like, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, you. Uh, but you're you're like multitasking you're you know doing a podcast and the vlog so you're you see the future and you know you're gonna have to i guess say parlay yourself like kind of out of that at some point unless you get involved in like coaching or um what you know like sports announcing because you have a really good voice oh, thank you for for this and so i mean like what else how do you see yourself transitioning out of hockey? Well, like when I started doing my YouTube videos, uh, my goal was to help people. I always wanted to help people because when I became a goalie when I was 10, my dad never played hockey. There was no like firsthand experience. So everything we did or, or like previous experience, so everything we learned was like firsthand, like our mistakes. So like I wanted to help people not make the mistakes of like, whether we're talking about like buying the wrong sticks, going into the wrong goalie camps, working with the wrong coaches, listening to the wrong information. I was like, I'm 20, 20 at the time. I'm 18, whatever. I'll share my experience. You can listen to it. You can not listen to it. But I, yes. my goal is to constantly help people. And yeah. that's the way to, and it still is to this day. Like I share my life in the fed because people don't believe that like this kind of shit happens. And it's like, well, here's the video evidence. It happens. Right. So, like, my goal has always been to help people. Um, I don't know how I would do that post career. I don't. I don't like the idea of coaching because I, I think that there's like so many like scammy coaches out there that just are, are looking for a quick buck and not actually like to help people. Interesting. Um, I think that something 
and like the media aspect of things would, would do well. That's why I like the idea of like a podcast because like I have control over it. I can talk about things that I'm passionate about. It's not mainstream. It's just genuine passion. Having a conversation, obviously having, you know, wheels do it with me has, has been game changing for the podcast mm. as we talked about earlier. Um, the vlog will die whenever I do retire because obviously you can't vlog pro hockey if you're not playing it. Uh. So that's kind of a, a little bit of a problem. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't think I'd be doing YouTube full time six, seven years ago, and I am. I didn't think I'd be doing a podcast, period, two years ago, and here we are. So yeah, the landscape's constantly changing. I don't know what's going to come up when I retire. I think I have about three to five more good years left of hockey before I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to move on. Obviously, my, my woman's kind of pushed me for like, hey, three years, that's it. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I could see three years, maybe five, we'll see. But, um, but I don't know. I will, we'll see when the time comes what I want to do. But I definitely want to do something uh, like – media wise or yeah definitely not mainstream because i think the mainstream hockey is just so um just oversaturated it's just kind of bullshit to be honest with you well i mean that yeah i like that you're starting now and you seem to have a like a gift for it and a passion for it like this podcasting and vlogging and i think you could probably continue to vlog it would just transition to life after hockey and <laughs> the story of travis and what you have going on um here's me my fiance and here's our new cat named carl i'm not playing hockey anymore i hope you enjoy uh, carl your fiance yeah she wants to name the cat carl well we're, we're planning on getting a cat later this or i guess earlier in 20 or 23 and uh, she wants to name it Carl. And I was like, hey, I like that name. That's cool. So I think we're going to get a cat named Carl. <laughs> That's exciting. You have that to look forward to. And yeah, I mean, cats are really big on the internet, you know? Yeah. I'm a big cat person. Are you, are you a cat person or are you a dog I, person? I'm a dog person, but only because I'm, I'm allergic to cats and I have been my whole life. So we have three dogs and eight chickens oh. and no cats, but I do lot of like scrambled eggs. Yeah, I get a lot. I eat an egg every day. I love my eggs. There's something, you know, it might be just, just mental, but about like getting the eggs fresh as opposed to, I don't know how long they sit on the shelf at the supermarket, but I, I did, you know, you like, you, you want to get vegetables fresh from your garden and, or whatever, pick an apple off a tree. There's supposedly more like, life force energy in the freshness rather yeah. than if it's been sitting on the shelf for a while. Are you, Oh, are you live? Do you, do you live with a, a group of other hockey players now? Yeah. So they've had me bounce around a few places. So like when I came here this year, uh, our goalie coach, I was living at his guest house for about mm, two months. And then recently they moved me to one of the two hockey houses they have with, with four dudes. Uh, there was no space. So I slept on the couch for about a week and a bit. And then they moved me to a different place, which was supposed to have a bedroom, but it was only me sleeping on a couch. So then I said, you know what? I'm coming back. So I came back here. And then the day that I came back here, also, like, guys got called up. So bedrooms opened up. So now I have a bedroom that I share with one of our, our rookies. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting living setup. All five guys, guys in this very small apart or house. Yeah, I was... When we were talking about doing this a couple of months ago, I remember you talking about your internet wasn't quite set up. And I, I don't know why. I just assumed you were like rich and, you know, 
you're a professional hockey player, so you have money and you're like waiting for your new house to be built and get the internet put in. No, no, I, I wish that's what a lot of people don't understand too. Like, and, and no disrespect, but like, there's only like five, maybe six pro hockey leagues in the world where you can really make good money. Like, we're talking the NHL, even the AHL guys are making forty to eighty thousand dollars a year. Right, right. The top league in Sweden, guys make a hundred, two hundred thousand a year. The KHL, they make good money, but like everything else is like, like very like peanuts. Even like the East Coast League, which is like the third highest level in North America, which is where guys get drafted, they get sent down, guys get signed, they get sent down there. They're only making like twenty four, maybe three thousand dollars a month. That's it. Um, you go down to the SP, like the SPHL, guys make two fifty, three hundred a week. Here, guys are making 125 a week, 200 a week. You can't survive off that. That's insane. So most guys, all expenses are covered. So you don't pay any money outside of your fund money. Okay. And that's what the salary goes towards. But in the summer, you have to do something. So guys work construction. They work concrete. They work for mom. They work for dad. They make savings. They put it aside, and they help live off that during the season, which is why, you know, back to our earlier conversation that, Guys do this for the love of the game. It's not because we're getting rich. It's why like, I have to do my podcast and my vlog because I don't have any other money coming in. Yeah. Hence why. Hell yeah. Well, you the wonder you do such a good job promoting. And yeah, for I, I, I hate to say that again. I was just like talking about the people with bigger audiences. But you, you know, like for instance, we had Sugar Sean O'Malley. We sponsored his podcast for one read and it was... Um, the episode where Logan Paul came on and it was like the night that Jake Paul was going to be fighting Anderson Silva. And it really got huge numbers, you know, like 300, 400,000 downloads just on YouTube alone or watches views. And, uh, but he was just fucking reading it from his phone. And it was so, such like a bland monotone ad read that we sent him, you know, and he's like, good. She's, got a dual pouch and all this and i was you know so i i just appreciate the effort you put in and i think you have a talent you have a gift for this you're way better than i am i'm i do this uh and i've been doing it for a while but it's i almost do it as a like a vlog for me to look back on when I'm 80 and I can be like, okay, that's what I was doing. This is kind of where I was at at the time. I listened to Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you've heard of him. Blueberries. I, Who's got blueberries? Yeah. I used to listen to him more, but he kind of got me on the track to don't try to just do it, you know, just document the journey. And so this is me like kind of documenting the journey and, and also exercising my conversation skills because it is you know a unique opportunity to be sitting here and talking to someone we've never formally met uh and we just in carrying on a conversation for about an hour and seeing where it goes and i don't typically like i don't usually have too many questions i did i did write down some stuff i was doing some research last night because i did a podcast with uh the he's the owner of gas digital network Yes, Which, yeah. I, I sent Ralph a message the other day. Tell him to get back to me. <laughs> Ralph Sutton. Okay, I'll text him. He is amazing, and that was such a good podcast. And he and I was asking him how he prepares for his, because some people do, some people don't. You know, you just I, I could just show up and be like, Here, "What's up?" 
And I remember I did that with, uh, it was a minor league baseball player a couple of years ago. And we, we it's the only podcast I've ever like stopped with, like during the podcast, because he was being like so rude to me that, and granted, I guess I hadn't done proper research, but he was like, do you even know my name? And <laughs> I was like, I was looking at my notes and, you know, uh, it was set up for me by one of the guys that, that was uh, working for me at the time. And he was just like really into baseball and he was getting me all these baseball players. I didn't, and I didn't know the guy, I didn't know who he was, but I did do some research, but he was just kind of being a, like a super prick about it. But back to Ralph Sutton, he told me he'll, he'll watch like 10 hours of somebody's podcast or listen to their music um, and really do like a deep dive and research on his guest, and I, but so I, I did that for you. I actually found a, an Instagram page. It's called Travis underscore Rigdon, and I don't know if it's you, probably not. But <laughs> it it looked like it could be you. I I was like I was gonna show you, but it's got four followers and like one oh. post, and it's just a picture. It's like, anyways, probably not you. But, There's a lot of uh, uh, burner accounts people make to kind of make fun of me. So, so sometimes uh, I get a pretty good. Actually, uh, I'll I'll tell you this. This is a funny story. Maybe one we can cap off with here before we kind of get back to yeah there. But, yeah yeah yeah. Um, my early days of doing YouTube, like I've I've always prided myself on like if somebody sends me a message, they leave a comment, I always get back to somebody. I appreciate the fact that they care whether they love me or they hate me. I don't I don't really I don't care. I'm happy to converse with you. And in my early days of doing YouTube, I would do like one video a week ish, and every day or every time i would upload a video for six months straight so that's six months so that's 24 videos within the first hour of posting the video this one guy would take a screenshot of the video at some way shape or form and would photoshop it to put a cock in my mouth in my hand or something that's there, funny all, like every like within the hour something and be like hey didn't know you were doing this last time <laughs> like i'm holding a stick but then it's actually like a big veiny like dick and he kept doing this and kept doing this and kept doing this. And, and I always responded to him, always a funny guy. And then one time I was flying through Calgary and he says, Hey, I'm at the airport. I'll buy you lunch. Thanks for responding to all my, you know, cock messages. And I said, Sure. So he bought me lunch. We had a great conversation, kind of like us right now. Oh my and God. This is like uh, five years ago, maybe six years ago. And we have this conversation. We still keep in touch to this day. Every time I drive through or, or come through his town, we always have lunch. We chat. Even you know, my girlfriend of well, I guess not ex girlfriend, but previous girlfriend from a few years ago. We went and we had lunch with him, and just uh, crazy how the how the world works like that. You just, you respond to a couple messages of a dude photoshopping cock in your mouth, and you develop a friendship. Yeah, I would be like, do you not have anything better to do with your time than you know photoshopping dicks in my hand or mouth? But that is very flattering that he would take the time to do that. So. I, I mean, and any publicity is is good publicity. They say, except for maybe what Kanye is doing. <laughs> yeah, that that may not be the best, but eh. he's maybe people are he's, they say he's a genius, and I'm like, he's really good at making beats. But this, and I was like, as soon as he was like, I'm going Defcon Five on the Jews, I was like, oh, this is bad. This is not going to go good. And I I have a lot of Jewish friends, or at least people that I work with and friends. Yeah, and I was like super, I was like, this is outrageous. And I hate cancel culture. I'm like the, I do not agree with it unless, 
you know, like your Harvey Weinstein or something. But for the most part, if you say something inappropriate, I like that. That's kind of my style of comedy and um, that I like to listen to. And But this, I was like, this isn't funny. I don't know where he's going with this, but this is not going to go good. And a lot of my Jewish friends were like, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You know, they're more concerned with censorship in general. So he should be able to say whatever he wants to say. And yeah, he should. And, and I still agree with that. It's just, I just don't agree with what he's saying. And and now a lot of them are coming on board. They're like, okay, yeah, he's kind of not redeeming himself in any kind of way. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, last thing, I know we're out, on time. Have you been in any fights you know, on the ice during a game. And uh, I had two fights in junior, both were against players. Both times I didn't get touched once, which was quite nice. Uh, I have no fights in college and no fights in pro yet. We were actually working on some fighting um, <laughs> tactics and practice the other day, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I heard well. you giving some tips about like slipping out of your pads or something if then grabbing them some kind of sort of way. Yeah. Our chest protectors is a goalie. They have like a Velcro strap that goes around the wrist. And as a goalie, like you're, you're huge. You're like a Michelin man. Yeah. So I, I believe that if you can, before the fight, get your gloves off and undo the wrist strap because guys, they grab you like that. If you grab me, and the wrist strap is out, I can just like pull my arm completely oh, out. Nice. And so now you're holding this like dummy arm and I have a free, like legitimate hand with like no obstructions and I can just beat the shit out of you. But if he's wearing a helmet, then you're going to hurt your hand probably, right? And you got to avoid the helmet. <laughs> okay, just hit him in the neck. Hit him in okay. the neck, body shots, whatever you can get. Just don't crack your hand on the visor or on the top of the helmet because that will hurt. That's your tip of the day, people. Well, uh, Travis, I appreciate you coming on this, you know, early. I guess it's not that early, but it's early no, it's, here. Yeah, it's noon here on the East Coast. Yeah, and um, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you supporting Sheath or promoting Sheath. I look forward to seeing what you have, you know, to come in the future with your vlog and podcast. You're doing great things. So keep it thank up. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Travis. All right. I w it'll come out probably next Monday, just FYI. And um, sure, I'm sure I'll talk to you again before that. So Abs absolutely. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we're still going right now, but did you yeah. want to uh, talk about our, our contract stuff before we we go? <laughs> Let me stop it. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for everyone for joining another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>